Welcome back to Safekeeping, a podcast about family relationships, safety, and well-being brought to you by the Joe Torre Safe at Home Foundation. I'm Rachel. I'm a board-certified licensed mental health clinician and the director of digital and prevention programming for Safe at Home. Today, we are going to be talking about domestic violence and the importance of continuing discussions around this topic, though it may be difficult at times. I'm excited to share that later in this episode, we will be joined by Safe at Home's co-founder, Alice Torrey. For listeners who are unaware, October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. During October, Safe at Home hosts campaigns in our Margaret's Place schools, educating youth, faculty, and parents on the impacts of domestic violence, the cycle of domestic violence, and red flags and warning signs to be mindful of in toxic or abusive relationships. As recent as 2018, the CDC reports through the National Intimate Partner and Sexual Violence Survey that about one in four women and nearly one in 10 men have experienced contact sexual violence, physical violence, and or stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime and reported some form of intimate partner violence related impact. Over 43 million women and 38 million men have experienced psychological aggression by an intimate partner in their lifetime. The American Journal of Emergency Medicine in April of 2020 found that calls to police departments reporting domestic violence incidents increased during COVID by 18% in San Antonio, 22% in Portland, Oregon, and 10% in New York City. These statistics show that domestic violence is a widespread issue and is something that has increased during the pandemic. These statistics show just how widespread domestic violence is, which is why Safe at Home strives to provide education and intervention to youth who are impacted by domestic violence through our Margaret's Place programs. We also strive to provide education and prevention to parents and families so that we can end the cycle of violence. I am excited and honored to welcome Safe at Home's co-founder, Alice Torrey, to join us as a special guest today. Allie and her husband, Joe Torrey, founded Safe at Home in 2002 with the mission to end the cycle of violence and save lives. Since our founding in 2002, the Safe at Home Margaret's Place program has served students in 20 locations across New York, New Jersey, California, and Ohio, more than 110,000 students with more than 37,000 counseling sessions. Allie is a graduate of Georgia State University with a BBA in Business Administration. In 2006, she was awarded an honorary degree from Ryder University. The majority of Allie's career has been in philanthropy with a focus on development. She has served as a board chair of development for the Caring Program for Children, along with various organizations providing health care and child abuse prevention services. She's worked directly on a domestic violence and sexual assault hotline. Allie has been a recipient of the Interagency Council on Child Abuse and Neglect Champion for Children Award in honor of her exceptional commitment to protecting children. She has also been awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor in 2016. In 2014, Allie and Joe were awarded the nonprofit Corporate Citizenship Award for Leadership Excellence by the Los Angeles Business Journal. 
Ali, thank you so much for joining us and for being here on this episode of Safekeeping. Happy to be here, Rachel. Thank you for having me. So in honor of October being National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, can you tell us a bit about what inspired you and Joe to found Safe at Home? Joe and I were very fortunate back in uh, 2002 to benefit from being in the whole New York area and his success with the New York Yankees. And growing up, both of us are very involved in our communities and we wanted to reach out and we've always done charitable work and decided that now would be a time for us to start our own foundation and really jump in 100%. And domestic violence was our choice based on Joe's personal situation. And I worked on a hotline when I was in college. And after some discussions, Joe mentioned domestic violence was one of his passions. And I thought, oh my gosh, having a man talk about his personal situation in the world of domestic violence will be able to educate so many people and really break down that stereotype that it's only a woman's issue, that many children are suffering and have consequences of what's happening in their home, the violence and abuse that is occurring in their home. So we we did our research. Uh, Joe's daughter, Christina, who is a Montessori school teacher, took a year off, and we looked at programs in New York City to see what was available uh, because we did not want to reinvent the wheel. And we found that there were very, very few programs that focused on children and youth. So that was our niche, and that's how we created the Margaret's Place and our school-based programming. Thank you so much, Allie. And I I really appreciate what you shared about the importance of having Joe's voice behind the domestic violence movement and safe at home, because I do think there's definitely a, a stereotype and a certain view of domestic violence being a women's issue. So it is really important to have that male input and to come at it from a different lens for folks who may not be so familiar with how domestic violence impacts all genders and all ages, right? So thank you for sharing that. Of course. If you could give any advice to the students of Margaret's Place or to any youth who might be listening to this podcast along with their parents today, who might be experiencing or witnessing domestic violence, what would you say to them? I would say what we say to many of our students that are in the program, the first three things that we say is you're not alone. It's not your fault. And we're here to talk about it. So I would say find a trusted adult, reach out online. If there are many resources out there, reach out into your community to look for some services and availability to help you Um, by keeping it silent you're allowing the perpetrator to continue the abuse. And without having a voice and creating that level of awareness, we're never going to solve this problem. And too many people will be suffering alone in silence and with shame and embarrassment. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's not your fault. Anybody can find themselves a victim of domestic violence. That's what I like to tell people. Most people aren't aware of that, but it starts in the home. It's kept quiet most of the time. So, it's not your responsibility to keep it all inside. Go find someone to talk to if you can. That's number one. I will say Joe's based on Joe's healing process. He was over 50 years old when he first talked about it. Even to me, we had been dating for many years and he discovered this through a seminar 
that it was okay. He was in a safe space and he was okay for him to talk about it. And I personally witnessed his family going through this healing process by just being free to have a conversation with someone and say, yes, this did exist. It was just a beautiful process to watch. It's very emotional, can be very painful to go through, to relive some of those emotions that you're dealing with. But to see them all come out on the other end and come together as a family and recognize it and heal was just amazing from my perspective, I will say. Thank you so much for sharing pieces of Joe's inspiring story and, and the story of your family. And I think that's a great message to youth, right? The overarching message being that your voice matters and your story matters and you you have the power to make a change, whether it's in your own home or in your community. So we really want any youth who are listening to take that message. So during October, Safe at Home and many other organizations raise awareness about the impacts of domestic violence. From your perspective, what is the importance of raising this awareness? It's so, so important because there's that that whole lack of awareness and connection that it really, unfortunately, in, in severe cases, you know, people were murdered. This is a very serious issue and it has horrible, dire consequences. So to be aware and to be a part of your community, to be able to see if there is a child or is there a friend that is having this issue, um, to educate yourself so that you can be that support person for them because it will make your own, whether it's your school community, your church community, your own inner family safer and more comfortable with each other. We all have a role to play and it's just not a topic that's discussed so often. So our goal as a foundation, when we started it was to create that level of awareness. That's where we started first. It's out there. It exists. We put all of that information out there. I think we were able to be successful because of our partnership with the New York Yankees. They helped a lot. It's, it's really crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And I think back to, I mean, I was not here, obviously, when Safe at Home was first founded back in 2002, but looking at coming up on what will be the organization's 20-year anniversary next year and thinking about all the lives that Safe at Home has touched, whether it's through Margaret's Place or even through things like this, our, our podcasts, hopefully giving education to new listeners. I want to thank you and Joe for, for founding this organization and for being so committed to continuing to shed the light on this issue that touches so many people and maybe touches folks in our own lives that we, like you said, don't even know about because we don't talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. I could just, I just like to share one other story. And it was early on when we first started the organization and just the importance about having a conversation. So our daughter was in school. We took her out of school and brought her to spring training with us and put her in a little Montessori school there. And one day she came home from school and she said, you know, mommy, that work that you're doing, I think my friend needs your help. And I will never forget. I looked at her and had no idea that she had been listening to our conversations and what we were doing And that enabled us to go to that school and have a conversation with the principal, the assistant principal. And they said, oh, yeah, we noticed when she came with her mom, the children were acting very differently. So we were able just by having that conversation with each other, having a little five or six year old 
observant enough to come tell us, we were able to enable those children to get help and get out of that situation. So it goes a long, long way. And then just one more example that I think when I think back of over the years that that had a profound influence on me, I was at a doctor's appointment and um, my doctor said, you know, come in after the examination or whatever. And I thought, oh, my gosh, there's something seriously wrong. I was so nervous. And she gave me an, a, a little angel statue and she said, you are my guardian angel. She said, when we were having this conversation about what you the work that you were doing, I had bruises on my body. And because of you talking about it, it made me inspired to reach out and talk to somebody and get some help. And now I'm free from that situation. So you don't realize what type of an effect that you can have on a person, but just acknowledging that it's out there and that is there is help for you if you're in that situation that's the way it has sometimes that's just the way it works you know you just have the conversation and that person that's suffering within by themselves are able to get the courage and find the support that they need those are such inspiring stories and i'm sure there's a million more from over the years that you could think of and share with our listeners i think something that you mentioned just now really stood out to me and i hope stands out to our listeners as well, which is the fact that it's really never too early to start having these conversations, right? There is a way for children to be involved and to know if there's a friend that needs help or to just have conversations with them about how to be a good friend and how to be a respectful person in any relationship, right? Because those are the pillars that they then carry into romantic relationships in their future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I have, you know, my daughter will, will, she, she likes to tell her friends that my, I started teaching her sex education at four or five years old. (laughs) And it really wasn't about sex education. It was really about giving her the tools to protect herself from any type of abuse and having those conversation of age appropriate, of course, what is right and what it's wrong. And if something feels uncomfortable, then come to me and talk to me. And I will have to, I have to say that there were several times in her life, uh, her school age as, as a student, that she had to come to me. And she was also able to recognize it and feel comfortable. And we were able to intervene in a couple other situations in protecting other students at the school. So it's, it's just really interesting. You're right. It's never too young. I think you start at the beginning, getting those, that communication going, age appropriate, of course. Absolutely. That kind of answers my next question, but maybe we can elaborate even more. For parents who are listening, who maybe don't know how to start these conversations about healthy and unhealthy relationships with their children, or they feel nervous to have these conversations, what advice might you give to them? I will go back on my experience. When I was in college, I worked for the YWCA and I worked on a domestic violence uh, rape crisis hotline. In addition to that, we did classes for toddlers. And there was a woman that um, out of Atlanta, Georgia, I was in Atlanta at the time, and she started a program called Good Touch, Bad Touch. And I was trained in, in to deliver that program for toddlers. And so I would say seek help because you want to be age appropriate. You don't want to frighten them. Anyway, I love this program. The woman created it. Unfortunately, two of her children were molested by uh, a brother. So she was so passionate about preventing that for other children 
personally, I'm not sure if that program still exists, but I bet there are some like that if that's not exist, not in existence right now. I think, yes, you can talk to your children. They have to be the ones that are empowered as soon as they can to be able to come to you and feel free and comfortable and not be so embarrassed. I mean, if you look at in our media recently with the gymnastics situation and other other issues that have gone on, giving them that voice and the courage to come forward without that shame and embarrassment is just a powerful tool, very powerful. And as we were saying before, even alongside preventing their own potential traumas or, or if something does happen, being able to share that with a trusted adult to get the support they need, even if they're not put in a situation like that, just being able to have boundaries for themselves and know that they can control their own bodies and their own choices and their voice might be something that protects them even emotionally later up the road when they are of an age to start dating or, you know, making more friendships where they're spending time with peers outside of the home, right? It's really giving them that foundation, to be able to feel comfortable and confident to protect themselves and and hopefully stand up for others too. Absolutely. And speaking about standing up for others, there might be some folks listening who are hearing about domestic violence and they think this would never happen to me, or there's no way I know anyone who's in this situation. What might you say to some of those listeners to inspire them to still become advocates or upstanders against domestic violence? Well, I think we probably all have known somebody um, and it is complicated. I will say it's very complicated to know uh, how far to get involved and to help somebody. But I think it's about learning to be just a good friend and um, non-judgmental and supportive, just like any friendship. And it's complicated, but there are a lot of materials out there. For example, our website at jotori.org, you can educate yourself on that. Maybe get together a group if it's women or men, get together and have a little, you know, presentation on it and discuss it. And I think understanding the complexities of it and feeling safe to support someone through the process is probably the first step because I think there's a lot of fear involved. You don't want to do the wrong thing. And, you know, when we started our program, we never want to put a child in danger. That was our number one goal. That's where we started. And you don't want to put your friend in danger. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of material out there online uh, in books. Um, You can make such a big difference in the world. When we started this, I had no idea what this journey would be like, but I have, met so many people and Joe has as well that have come up and whispered into their ear and thanked us. And, you know, they had a similar situation and, you know, they have a friend and they don't know what to do. Um, So there's a need out there. And if if it inspires you to be that, that advocate or that person to be able to intervene in somebody's difficult situation, then I would encourage you to, to, to go forward. It has been so rewarding for me because I know that basically we've saved lives. We really have saved lives. And as complicated it is, as it is, it's also very simple. You know, you, you're, you're preventing a lot of dysfunction, a lot of pain and suffering just by having the conversation and, and being that supportive person. Amazing. Thank you so much. So 
hopefully our listeners will feel inspired to learn more. And as Ali mentioned, visiting our website is one great place to start. There's so many resources there to learn more about the nuances of domestic violence, how to start these conversations with friends, family, even with young children. So please, for those listening, please visit our website, joetory.org and poke around. You can listen to former podcasts. There's activities for families to do together. There's just a a lot on there to continue this conversation and this education. Ali, my last question, where do you hope to see Safe at Home and the work that we do in 10 years from now? Well, my dream would be to have our, I would love to see our Margaret's Place program grow. I feel like it's a very valuable program. It is an international issue And I think more collaboration with other organizations that are out there doing that work, learning uh, how we can collaborate to solve the issue would be wonderful. We just opened our first international location in Tahiti. So it, um, and we're looking now in Hawaii. So it is a replicable model. And so from a strategic standpoint and organizational standpoint, looking to see how we can expand without us having to do all of the fundraising for it because that it's a, it is a challenge. But I would like to see our original model was to support communities and have a community around every Margaret's Place program, which, for example, we do in Washington Heights in various places in the city. It's really important for folks to come together as a community in addition to the youth, but the, you know, the religious uh, organizations the attorneys, if everyone comes together, I think that we will have a lot more success in solving the issue and preventing folks from having to go down this road. Thank you so much. And I look forward to hopefully seeing Safe at Home accomplish that goal of expanding our programs and furthering our reach and sharing this important information with even more folks out there, hopefully internationally, as you said. So I really want to thank you again, Allie, for joining us today on Safekeeping. Thank you for sharing your story and Joe's story and just for all of your work around raising awareness about domestic violence and inspiring others to make change. Thank you, Rachel. I will say it has been a joy. It's been a team effort with the whole entire Safe at Home team, the counselors, the supervisors, everyone behind the scenes, the board, everyone. It it really does take a village, as they say, but the joy that I receive is being part of that village and and getting to know everybody uh, for this one common cause. And it's, it's super rewarding. So I would encourage folks to reach out and see how they can get connected. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. And hopefully we will see you again on safekeeping sometime in the future. I hope so. Thanks, Rachel. To our listeners, if you like what you heard today, we encourage you to subscribe and leave a positive review of the podcast. If you want to learn more or find additional domestic violence resources, activities, and videos, follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Safe at Home Foundation, and on Twitter at Tori Safe at Home. You can also visit our website for more information, joetory.org. Thanks for listening to Safekeeping, presented by the Joe Torrey Safe at Home Foundation. Tune in next time.